0: Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, March 16th. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. I would normally wear my green, but we have a green screen behind me. So it. <laughs> Otherwise, that's where I would be. So how are y'all today? I'm good. Doing great. Awesome. Um, today we have a special guest who I am super excited about. It's CI Chevron, a.k.a. also Lyra Brennan. But she's a steampunk author. Um, I'm a multi-genre author, but that's not one that I'm kind of a little nervous about the idea of even touching that one. So we have lots of questions to come at <laughs> to talk to you about. But first of all, why don't you start with um, actually, let's start with the weekend. How is everyone's weekend? What do you guys got coming up?
1: Well, I was in the uh, state basketball tournament for from Wednesday through Sunday, got back Sunday evening, and uh, it was. Uh, it was very, i uh, been going, we've been going, I go with a group of friends, we've been going since 89, COVID sort of interrupted that for two mm-hmm. years, oh. and so it's great to get back in the saddle, so to speak, and then this uh, this Friday, this Saturday and Sunday, will be at, uh, uh, in, in Rogers, Arkansas, at the uh, North Arkansas Comic Con.
0: Oh, fun. So, Ms. C.I., or Lyra, which one do you want us to call you?
2: <laughs> lyra's fine okay Lyra, how was your weekend what you got coming up uh what i have coming up is a volleyball tournament in shreveport this weekend so fine. that pretty much takes up all my time last weekend oh, well, we went hiking that was our first weekend off in a long time and we went hiking down at uh bob sandlin oh uh, fine. the hot hiking trail the dogs and the hiking trails and and we just we just hiked all over that was a lot of fun oh. Now,
0: Lyra and I actually bond over something in particular. Both of us have apiaries. So the bees, it's all about the bees. And the it's, bees. it's fun. <laughs> We're so excited this year. We're hoping to get some actual honey. We didn't get any because of rain last year. so. Um, but see, my week so far, I dodged a tornado. It pulled up just <laughs> as it hit Lufkin. It went through Apple Springs and dropped like baseball size hail. Dang. And yeah. then pulled up as it went through Lufkin. We actually heard it go through. Um, mm. And then we have, of course, the con hour stuff is coming up. But we have con I'm covering it for the con hour. We'll be on April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And then Chautauqua Festival in Longview Public Library is April 23rd. Mike, 23rd. April 23rd. And then I'm actually, <laughs> I got a really cool call this week from my little co-host over there, Mr. Mike. And I will be speaking at the Netwo
1: Book
0: Spring, Spring Writers Conference. Spring Writers Conference. Spring Writers Conference in Mount Pleasant at
1: NTCC Northeast at Texas Community College. Uh
0: uh-huh. On April 30th, I'll be talking sci-fi and fantasy as well as Texas Sisters Press. So I'm super excited about that. But you guys also, with your Netwo Group Northeast Texas Writers Organization. Um have something else coming up about a chapter. What is that? It's a contest of some kind.
1: You want to take that, Lisa?
2: Well, since you're the director, you probably (laughs) probably (laughs) should take that one.
1: Well, it's uh, the first chapter contest is sort of modeled after the Writers League of Texas, which is a Austin-based writers group. And what it is is a contest where uh, you literally provide a synopsis of your book and the first chapter. And the best part about it is you don't have to, it it doesn't have to be a completed manuscript. It doesn't have to be even partially finished. Uh, It can be a progress that's in the work. And basically all you're doing is again, providing the synopsis, the overall gist of the story and the first chapter. And um, when we, we give first, second and third place prizes, also we our judges are from area libraries libraries, and uh, we felt that was kind of apropos, because often, you know, when they're searching for books to, uh, to uh, put on the shelves, uh, you know, they know what they're looking for, so we thought that they would be, you know, judges, tremendous judges, to, uh, to be able to uh, judge our contest on first chapter and synopsis. The, uh, what's the last day to turn in, Lisa? What is that, April the 3rd? i thought it was was april 10th okay april the 10th yeah which is a sunday april 10th the sunday by midnight april the 10th sunday um to turn in your first chapter and synopsis and again it doesn't have to be a finished work it can it only has to be something that you're working on
0: now is this anybody that can enter oh yeah from and how do they enter it
1: they would you can go to the netwo set. Uh, website which is www.netwo.org is that correct lisa yes. mm-hmm. and it'll have all the confit contest information on there to uh to uh, uh you know submit your uh your first chapters and synopsis and again that's www.netwo.org
0: awesome cool well that sounds like fun so it can be like any genre any genre Any genre, as long as it's like a chapter book, because you want the first chapter. Yes. Very cool. Nice. Okay, so let's get down to business. Let's talk steampunk. Miss Lyra, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? And then we'll jump into steampunk itself.
2: Okay. I like steampunk and fantasy, and I tend to write fractured fairy tales. So most of my steampunk is based off of a fairy tale type story and i just go from there and and you can ask uh people who've read my book there it's very difficult to connect it to the to the fractured fairy tale but you can kind of see you know the rise and fall of the story so (laughs) i i like steampunk because well i like any type of punk actually because you take a time period and you just go to the limits of your imagination and there's no rules and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not a big rule person, so uh, that's one of the reasons I really like steampunk. was just everything can come alive. And I, now, and I love the Victorian era, too, so. Now, what exactly is the definition of steampunk
0: for those who don't know or may not know or aren't quite sure?
2: Okay, well, th- there's, there's really many different kinds of punks. Steampunk tends to take place almost exclusively in Britain. And... Or um, usually in an urban setting as well, like London, uh, you know, Bath, all the, the the big cities of of Great Britain, and it's almost generally always between the Victorian and the Edwardian eras. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go out of that era, you tend to go into a different kind of punk. Like if you go into the World War One era, you you get. Uh, more uh, a different kind of punk, which you, you kind of saw in the, in the first Wonder Woman, y- you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. uh, the lady inventor with the mask, you, you kind mm-hmm. of saw a little bit of punk in the world war two. So it just depends on what era you're writing, but steampunk is basically 18. No, uh, let's say 1850 to 1900. I mean,
0: yeah, how difficult is it to research that?
2: well, you, you kind of got to
0: know your history.
2: Well, it, well, it depends because a lot of steampunks. Well, of course, most of them follow an alternative timeline.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, like, like in my stories, I killed off Queen Victoria and put a, a Jamaican planter on the throne.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you see, I just got rid of all those rules right there. <laughs> just
0: toss it, them all out the window.
2: <laughs> right. It does kind of help to know your history, uh, know what's happening, you know, uh, on the world stage around here and there. But it punks, they don't have rules. So you kind of keep the mannerisms of the time, the Victorian, you know, kind of straight-laced type, you know, uh, very formal type writing, which might get me in trouble for all the time. <laughs> Uh, uh, Just uh, more prosy uh, sometimes, but it can also punk. There's two spectrums. There's the really gritty, dark type punk. And then there's the the magical ether type, fairy type punk. So you can have two extremes, very few in the middle. Like if you think of Victorian romance or Regency romance, no, we we don't have any of that. It's gritty or it's really fairy tale. Gotcha.
1: (laughs) Lisa, would you say that steampunk also has sort of an industrial vibe to it as well?
2: Oh Yes, because what you do is you take a uh, Victorian and Wardian era was taken when the Industrial Revolution was really taking off. And, you know, they were having world fairs. The inventions of all the time were just amazing, you know, and uh, people were just they thought they had actually reached the end of of knowledge of man. Because so much was being discovered and so much was being being invented. And so just go look at some of the old world fairs and you can just, you know, get your mind blown of what people were thinking back then.
0: Patty, so, wants yes. to know, Patty wants to know, have you ever traveled to England to get a feel for the genre?
2: No, I have not. I really, really would like to know. But I did grow up in Europe. I grew up in Germany and Turkey and France. Oh, interesting. So I have a little bit of the European feel. Uh, so, you no, know, I really want to go to London, but I guess we'll have to wait till COVID and wars are kind of on the downhill.
1: So, so Lisa, what would in the steam ch- in the steampunk genre, what would the rules be Just in general? <laughs> what would, what would the rules be in terms of you cannot veer at it, Yeah, Kind of like low the, tech, yeah. which I know that define the genre. You gave it sort of a general overview of it. Are there any hard and fast rules that you must follow in order to be considered a steampunk novel?
2: No, which is, which is the fun thing about punk. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of really hard and fast rules. However, just like in most other genres, you have to be able to um, your inventions of the time, they have to make sense to a certain degree. Your reader has to be able to follow what's happening and why you have an Aether gun or why the steam can run this contraption. You don't have to get it in detail, but you have to be able to have the building blocks there. And and so that's, it's kind of a guideline, actually. I don't want to say hard and fast rules because I don't like those hard and fast rules. But- yeah you have to carry your your reader with you
1: so it's alternate you mentioned alternate timelines another way mm-hmm. of saying that would be alternate history would it would that be correct
2: yes well okay. and that's i mean that's pretty much a a description of the genre because you're going to have steam powered things right. that were never invented you right. know you'll have computers that run on these these strange wires and you know uh, liquids and stuff which, which never happened. <clears throat> so.
1: Uh, right. Well, I've noticed that, uh, cause we're on the same, we're in a critique group together. Uh, you've go to great pains to, uh, use words and different spelling that would be in the British or English context, as opposed to an American, mm-hmm. uh, spelling or, uh, pronunciation.
2: I do simply because I want to bring the reader with me. And I hope it doesn't throw them out of the story, because I know sometimes it catches you. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I want the reader to just experience as much of the world as possible. And this is why I also use other languages in my book. I also use French and German. So I I just want the reader to come with me in in the story. And and that's, that's why I do that. And my, my sentences do tend to be long sometimes, not as long as I want them, thanks to Mike. <laughs> but they tend to be also more prosy than you see a lot of, say, in urban fantasy. I, I tend to be a little bit more prosy. Now, you mentioned
0: fractured fairy tales. Are you concerned at all with a copyright issue anywhere in that?
2: No, because most fairy tales are open to the general public yeah. anymore because, you know, they're so far. Uh, they're
0: already uh, public domain.
2: Yes, thank you. That's that's the word I was looking for. They're public domain. I mean, like, my first one, Metal and Bone, is a Cinderella story. I mean, how many retakes on Cinderella are there? I mean, th- there's a billion. I still love the story. I just love the story. Mm-hmm. And my, my other one was Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it's just, yeah, you know. So where do you get your ideas? Oh, I get them from everywhere. It could be, you know, a movie. It could be a picture. It could be just talking with, you know, somebody, I, I love to go to comic cons and see just everybody's imaginations going wild. And, you know, and sometimes it's just, it's just a little thing that'll trigger you, you know, just into that fantasy land. You just, up oh, there I go. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, I love Steampunk,
0: but like I said, I haven't been brave enough to write it, but I love like the cosplay and the costumes that come with Steampunk. Mm-hmm. And I love like that time period. Mm-hmm. Just I haven't <laughs> into the, that realm yet
1: well i can say because of uh we again belong to the same critique group and i we have uh, critiqued each other's work so all of lisa's steampunk novels so far i've been fortunate enough to read as as it goes along and i can say i can say i can tell everyone out there that lisa goes to a great deal of trouble to uh to, to say in great detail the uh the setting which uh, I really liked the uh, metal and Bone the first novel because she described London and the streets and the environment and the way things look, the sort of gritty, gray, uh, It's like uh, it was like walk uh, like you were actually there. And you do a very good job of, uh, of creating the setting that your characters are in. And, uh, and, and, and and the fractured fairy tales is very much an apt description because, uh, you know, you see the elements of that cinder Cinderella is cinder in metal and bone. Correct. So it's clever spelling of that. Um, <clears throat> Lisa also uh, you are a prolific reader is yes. <laughs> uh, how many I'm books, usually
2: reading when I should be writing.
1: <laughs> how, many, how many books would you say that you read in a week's time?
2: Oh, well, I, I really have to control myself because once I get a new book and once I start it, mm-hmm. I don't put the book down until I finish it. And and this means, you know, all night, all day, I have to plan those types of things. So I also tend to reread things. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it depends. I, I read probably three to four books a week.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I thought I read a lot
2: and I, and I used to read literally my Amazon name is a book a night because <laughs> I would do a book a night. Wow. And when do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better now about controlling my sleep, but, but yeah, <laughs> if I get a new book, you know, um, Oh, I picked up that, that new one where the crawdads sing. Okay. And just, I just devoured it in one sitting. I just, Uh, such a good book too
1: (laughs) well the the reason i mention that is because uh one thing i have noticed that's been consistent regardless of who the author is uh the the very best authors were and remain prolific readers as well would you agree with that
2: i i agree um I think it keeps your mind fresh to read other people's works uh, so you don't get stuck in a rut so that your mind just doesn't grasp the other realities out there, other people's worlds. I I think you need to immerse yourself in, in other places besides where you're at, not only just where you live, but in your mind too.
0: I do have one rule regarding that. If I'm currently in the middle of writing a book, I don't pick up another person's book until I'm finished. That way it doesn't bleed into mine. So See, that's, I can't do that. <laughs> that's one thing that I, I I keep separated that way. My work is my work and it's not somebody else's that have accidentally bled in.
2: I, I guess the way that I do that, and I understand where you're coming from, is I won't read steampunk. <laughs> I'll read all other genre, genres. Probably my favorite one is urban fantasy. I read a lot of that. Um, But you're right. I I, I probably don't read steampunk like I should. Um <laughs> And even well, the Brian Sanderson series uh, with, with the, the metal the metal mages and stuff. I, I won't pick that one up when I'm writing either.
1: Well, a couple weeks ago, back uh, around the middle of February, I was at uh, uh, Comic-Con in, in Shreveport. And a gentleman came up and uh, he said that he had your first two books, steampunk books, that are in your fractured fairy tale. Uh, collection. And he said, when is she coming out with her third one? I said, well, I think she's going to be finished sometime this spring. And so would you like to give a little bit of a a snippet about what your latest book that will be, your next book will be about?
2: Okay. The the next one is, is Tooth and Nail. And how I started the series was there was Cinderella was the first one. And then Beauty and the Beast, where, uh, Isabeau is is Cinderella's stepsister and so now we're on the second stepsister of um, Cinderella her name is Aurelia and she has escaped London and she is going uh, she ends up in Alsace uh, Germany and that's where probably the majority of the story takes place and if if you have read Metal and Bone you know that cinderella is a modified human Isabeau is a werewolf and aurelia is a vampire and so and that's where the whole rule breaking thing comes along because i like to yeah, i don't
0: remember that genres. back then but that's cool
2: <laughs> right. see i i combine i combine the genres and i that's do too one of the things i like so she's a she's an elsa. she meets a, a monster hunter and and he's she's a vampire so you know things a little bit in there and uh it, it all ties back to uh, Cinderella and Isabeau that all of the books are standalone, but they also tie together and they find out somebody is making a new war, which is a, a repurposed war automaton.
1: So you don't necessarily have to have the first two books in order to read the third book.
2: You don't, but it helps right. just to understand the world right. that, that I have built. Because I don't in uh, Tooth and Nail, I really don't spend a whole lot of time on the world. on on the world building, like I did in metal and bone and cogs and fur, mainly because we're in a different country, but also because book four is going to go back to that. um, So do
0: you you have any tips and tricks in being able to share the world that you've built without inundating people with details on the get-go?
2: I try to just, just intersperse it And a lot of people think that they need to explain their world, but they really don't because the the people, your characters are just living in the world. They're not going to explain their world that they're living in. So don't, don't feel like you have to explain every little thing. You just, Mm -hmm. you just accept uh, what it is. And I can give you an example of this, of this in that, um, what's his name, L.E. Modeste, who wrote the uh, Mongrel Mage, that whole series, he has a time split up and and you have a, an an hour, a glass, a turn of a glass, and you have a quint, and he never explains how long that is. You kind of have to pick it up throughout the series. I think there's 21 books, 23 books. Nine. You oh. kind of have to pick it up through the series, but in our language, we don't know if a quint is five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. We don't know if a turn of a glass is an hour and he never explains it. Don't explain it. Don't feel like you have to explain it. So that would probably be my biggest my biggest thing. Just if, if your readers have questions, that's good. They'll keep reading to try to find out.
1: <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because we've talked about this uh, about with fantasy World building is huge. I think we Mm -hmm. all know that. That's just a given. But uh, what we've talked about is that you can get so invested in building your world that you're half, you're 200, 300 pages into your your book, your novel, your manuscript before you really start getting into the story and the characters that populate it. And it seems to make the story bigger and longer. And it feels like it has a lot of extraneous material in it that gets in the way of the story and gets in the way of the characters. Is that something that you would agree with or disagree or or what are your feelings about that?
2: I agree it can be overdone. Now, I am a person for rabbit trails. I love stories who are going along and voop, there they go or going along and voop, there they go. And, you know, they always come back. But I, I do like those little rabbit trails that sometimes go off. Well, and and rabbit
0: trails are a little bit different than getting, like, there's a book that I'm currently reading, I'm not going to say what it is, where I'm in chapter four, and we're still getting, like, super detailed information, and maybe a third of it is the actual storyline.
2: Yeah, But
0: it's like, I have to finish the book, (laughs) but it's very painful to read, and there are times I feel like taking the book and just knocking knocking my head against it, going, stop, just give (laughs) me the story. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, and I agree. You can over, I mean, and just like anything, you can overdo it. You can underdo it. It's really hard to, to walk that, that middle line there.
0: I guess my basic just is the whole show. Don't tell, mm-hmm. you know, you can show the story. They can compliment them on their hair. They can do whatever, you know, there's various ways you can do it. You know, she's walking through the firehouse, touching the brick wall, stop by the awards cabinet, that sort of thing there's things that you can do without just like dumping details mm-hmm. and that can be very painful for a reader sincerely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you're doing like a different world, like Mike and his ones with the Congress of the Veil series, he did it very well. It was very slowly let out and he did it through somebody who was new to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a great way to do it. Um, if it's somebody who's already in the world, kind of understanding things like you're saying already immersed in it, those a different spin. And how do you do that without too much?
2: Right. And that's the hard part. It's just, it's just finding that, that middle, middle road. And I'll, I'll quit a book. I, I'm really mad about if it, you know, I, I would like to quit this one, but I can't. <laughs> I just chuck them. I'm like, okay, next. <laughs> or Especially I'll wait your- next. Uh, which is why I don't read mysteries because I, I'll read the end, and if it's you know no, nope. if if it just doesn't fit on what I want or what I feel like it should go, I'll I'll quit. <laughs> I mean, I,
0: weird about rabbit trails. I love rabbit trails. To me, the beauty of them is that you know it's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You know, especially since the author probably didn't even intend it. So right so to me. If it's unpredictable, especially if it's a mystery, if it's unpredictable, then to me, it's good.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I think they add to the story, too. I think they help immerse you in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, those those rabbit trails are uh, are fabulous hooks when mm-hmm. you reach yes. the end of your book as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the twist you don't see coming.
2: But you, you should know, see uh, it because it's yes. on the rabbit trail. You,
1: you, you're <laughs> hint, you you're hinted about it, but you won't mm-hmm. know for sure until you know. it. Right. And that encourages you to keep reading as well Mm -hmm. now with
0: your steampunk novels do you do any little easter eggs for like the time period or anything like that in them or any easter eggs um pertaining to like steampunk movies
2: and that sort of thing um probably not not movies but i will use um so that if i if i draw if i say a name Mm -hmm. probably two out of three of them are actual people
0: so like interesting
2: in one of the stories, let's see, I think that's Cogs and Fur, where Isabeau unveils a portrait. And she recognized the st- the, recognizes the style of a Jewish um, painter of the time that actually existed at that time and did portraits at the time. There was a man who built steampunk clocks around 1870. And I forgot his name. I think it was Armand Guillaume. Um Anyway, he actually built these these amazing steampunk clocks in 1870. And he's a real person. And so that's probably the most of what I do for Easter eggs is, mm-hmm. is there's real people. Dr. Frankenstein is a huge, he comes in and out of both, all three books, actually. Um, and sometimes he's a good guy because uh, uh, in the third book, you know, we're coming from the German perspective. And Luca knows uh, Dr. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. but in Cogs and Fur, he's the bad guy because he's experimenting on these little girls. So the, the well, he's not a real person, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's probably the most that, that I do of Easter eggs. And I'll, sometimes I'll find an invention that somebody, um, you know, proposed, but never, you know, it never took off. hmm and I'll let, I love to throw those types of things in.
0: Well, we have a few minutes left. Number one, how do people find you online to find your books?
2: Okay, I'm at, I'm on Amazon. And that's probably where most people find me. I also have a website, ci-chevron.com mm-hmm. and um, Facebook, but mostly Amazon. Awesome. And
0: what advice would you give anybody who's interested in writing steampunk? Oh, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> throw the rules out the window and go for it. Yeah,
2: throw the rules out the window and go for it. But it does help to know the time period, uh, to have read, you know, Victoria. Even even the romances of the time are great um, sources of information with the manners and the mannerisms, the way they speak. Those are great because uh, those those ladies really do their their research. I mean... <laughs> So I just say go for it and just have fun. Just have fun with it because steampunk is just a fun uh, genre. It really is.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. C.I. Chevron, a.k.a. Lara Brandon. Thank uh, <laughs> think you're talking steampunk, which is, like I said, it's a genre I haven't quite stepped into, but I actually love. I just am not brave enough to write it, <laughs> which is a lot to say for me. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about it. Next week, Mike and I will be talking inspirations for characters, where to get them, where do you look, how do you kind of make your little character arcs, which for two pantsers, that could be interesting coming from (laughs) us. So make sure to watch next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time on Book World, The Great Escape. Until then, everybody have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Wednesday.